Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. If you ever read or study Matthew's Gospel, there are three great mountain scenes. The first is the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, we've listened to that for several weeks before Lent. There's also Mount Calvary, and we see Jesus' crucifixion. But sandwiched in between those two mountain scenes is what we hear in today's Gospel, the mountain scene in which Jesus climbs Mount Tabor and is miraculously transfigured before his apostles. Now, I think Matthew is telling us that in these mountain scenes, something deeply significant is going to happen. Go to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus climbs a mountain, sits down, and in chapters 5, 6, and 7, lays out his vision of Christianity, what it is, and how we are to live it out. Mount Calvary, Jesus climbs the cross and becomes the sacrifice to redeem the world. And in today's gospel, Jesus now climbs Mount Tabor and is miraculously transfigured with a light that does not come from this world. Instead, the source of that light is the world to come, the world we are all tending to. Heaven now has broken through and into our world to illuminate Jesus Christ. And I think in this transfiguration story, we have the message of hope. I'll give you some examples. Malcolm McGrudge, in the early 80s, was a British reporter who heard about Mother Teresa, her life and her ministry, and he wanted to do a documentary about her. So he gathered a crew and they went to Calcutta. For several weeks, they spent time talking with Mother Teresa, interviewing her and filming her, and as well as her ministry. Well, one day, they went to mo with Mother Teresa to visit a clinic for people that were dying and needed health care, people that were homeless and hungry. Unfortunately, the electricity, for some reason, went out in this clinic, and there wasn't adequate lighting to film. So the film crew went over to Mugridge, and they said, you know, we just can't film here. There's not enough light. Well, Mugridge said, well, why don't you just try, and we'll see what we get. So they filmed Mother Teresa as she ministered to the people in this clinic. For hours, they filmed her as she made her way through this darkened clinic. Well, they spent another week with Mother Teresa, and they wrapped up. And then they went back to England, and they worked on developing the documentary. Well, as they developed the film, they noticed something incredible, especially the film that they shot in that darkened clinic that one day. They noticed that the film picked up light. In fact, it was a glowing light. Now, what McGrudge noticed was that the light was not coming from the windows. It wasn't natural light. Instead, the source of that light was coming from Mother Teresa herself. Wherever she went in that darkened clinic to minister to people, light emanated from her. And this glow of light was surrounding her. 
And so McGrudge thought this was an incredible miracle they caught on tape. Well, where else do we see holy people emanating a light? Well, go to sacred scripture. There's that classic story of Moses. He spends several days on the mountain talking with God and looking at God face to face. Finally, he makes his way down to the Israelites. And by the time he comes down to the Israelites, his face and his hair is dazzling white, just like Jesus Christ in the gospel for today. So much so that the people can't even look at Moses. He has to wear a veil over his head. Well, where else do we see this? Well, in artwork, don't we? We see pictures or paintings of saints. They always have a halo or a light above their head. Or maybe we've seen artwork regarding the Blessed Mother and light emanating from her. Well, now we see or we hear the story of the transfiguration. Now, notice what it says. It says, Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Well, what are we to make of this? St. Thomas Aquinas once said, Those who walk the arduous journey need, from time to time, to see the goal. Well, what is the arduous journey? It's life amidst all of its struggles and challenges. And what's the goal? Heaven and all the glory associated with it. What Aquinas is getting at here is it's important for all of us at some point in time to get a glimpse of the goal of heaven so that once we see it, we can summon the courage to continue on to live out our faith rather than giving it up when times get hard, when we encounter struggles in our life. The transfiguration, as well as these stories about light coming from saints, tell us that at a particularly great moment in the world or in our life, there's an intensity that breaks into this world and shines into our life. And it's the intensity of heaven, the light from heaven itself. We see the beauty of the world that awaits us. We see the goal. And despite the struggles and the challenges in our life, we summon the courage and the conviction to continue to live out our faith rather than give it up. Peter, James, and John in the gospel, they were allowed to catch a glimpse of the light of heaven, the goal. Why? And why was this important? Because Jesus knew after he ascended back into heaven, Peter, James, and John, as well as the rest of the apostles, were tasked with starting the church here in this world. Was it going to be easy? Absolutely not. They were going to face struggles and challenges, persecution. They needed to see a glimpse of the goal so that they could summon the courage to continue on and not give up the faith. Well, we too, we need that to be reassured of the goal, to motivate us to press on amidst the struggles in our life. Well, what I want to do now is draw upon this story and show how this story comes alive every time we gather for Mass. How we experience and celebrate the Mass is one in which God also gives us a glimpse of the goal. How does this story begin? Well, it says, Jesus led his apostles up a mountain. Well, it's a basic biblical truth. Whenever we hear mountains, whether it's in New Testament or the Old Testament, they are places where you will encounter God. Well, when we gather for Mass, we encounter God ourselves. 
First and foremost, we make up the body of Christ. Remember, Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am present among you. Well, we're present. We are present to each other, but also Christ is present when we gather as the body of Christ at Mass. Christ is present in the scriptures, but also, most importantly, he's present in the most concrete way in his body and blood that we take in at the Eucharist. Next in the story, it says, Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with Jesus. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. In fact, he is considered the greatest of all the prophets. But both represent the whole of God's revelation. What do we do at Mass? Well, we read from the law and the prophets. But we also read from the gospel, which is about Jesus Christ. And he helps us to interpret and understand what we have just heard at Mass. They're in the readings. How does he do it? Well, he opens up our minds. It's similar to the story on the road to Emmaus. Here you have the two disciples leaving Jerusalem after they just witnessed the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but they don't understand it. So Jesus comes up to them and walks with them. And it says, he opened their minds and began to interpret sacred scripture to them from the beginning with Moses through all of the prophets. Well, that's what Jesus does at the Mass. More to it, Moses and Elijah, they represent the community of saints. Now realize, Moses and Elijah have been dead for centuries before Jesus was even born into this world. And yet now they are seen alive and talking to Jesus. Well, at Mass, we believe that it's not just us that gathers at Mass, but the angels and the saints are with us also. Remember, the angels and the saints are always with God, giving him right praise and worship. And so at Mass, we do the same thing. So it's only natural for us to believe that the saints and the angels are also with us, giving God right praise and worship. In fact, our prayers recognize the angels and the saints, their presence with us. Right before we begin to sing the Holy Holy at Mass, the priest will always say, May our voices blend with all the angels and the saints as we acclaim. And then we begin to launch into the Holy Holy. Well, we believe that their presence is with us. Next, in the story it says, From the cloud came a voice, and the voice said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That's the revelation of the Holy Trinity. Not only are the angels and the saints present to us when we gather for Mass, but so too is the Holy Trinity. All three persons are with us at Mass. It's not just Jesus Christ. If you listen to the prayers throughout the Mass, we are always praying to the Father, through the Son, in union with the Holy Spirit. We always address all three persons of the Holy Trinity. From the very beginning of Mass, we sign ourselves with the sign of the cross. To the very closing prayer, we're always addressing all three persons of the Holy Trinity because they are present with us. One last thing. Peter's response. It may sound odd to you. Peter says to Jesus, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents for you. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now we say, well, why? Well, Peter understands what's going on. He knows heaven and earth have united in the most powerful way on top of this mountain. And he, along with the other apostles, have caught a glimpse of heaven. They don't want to leave. 
They want to build tents there. They want to stay there. Well, you can't blame them, can you? If it was your eye up on that mountain and we witnessed the transfiguration, we wouldn't want to leave either. We would, would want to remain there forever. We wouldn't want to go down that mountain and leave. Notice Jesus' response, though. He says, no, we must continue on. Why? Because Jesus knows his mission doesn't end on top of that mountain. Instead, they must continue on to Jerusalem. And it's there in Jerusalem that Jesus, his mission ends on top of a mountain. In this case, Mount Calvary. And yet, the apostles, after seeing the transfiguration, now they have the courage to continue on in their mission. Well, so too with us. Every time we gather for Mass, we caught a glimpse of the goal. And now we have the courage to continue on to live our faith. That's why we're not meant to stay in the church forever, live there. No, we're meant to leave after Mass, leave and go out into this world to continue to live out our faith. That's why the priest at the very end of Mass, he says, go now to love and serve the Lord. Well, we can. Having seen the transcendent light, now we have seen the goal at Mass. Now we have the courage and the motivation amidst the struggles in our daily life to continue to practice the faith. That's why I would say, every time we gather for Mass, we, in some ways, relive the story of the Transfiguration. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.